We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack of Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Victory Monday. Welcome into the Pack-A-Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day podcast. We have a ton to get to. The Packers pick up another win to move to 5-1 and one on the season. They pick up a win against their division rival, Chicago Bears. They get an epic Aaron Rodgers moment, which of course we will talk about as well. But how amazing is football? Let's just start there because we start the day with a Jaguars-Dolphins game, which if we're being real, not the most exciting matchup in the world. That game is great right up until the end. Then we get Packers-Bears, which to be fair, it's, it's not like Packers-Bears was like, like the biggest barn burner, like amazing game in the world, but still a fun, entertaining game. And then when you finish that up, you get to flip over. Vikings-Panthers are in overtime. 3 p.m. slot, you get Cowboys-Patriots in overtime. Sunday night football, you get Steelers-Seahawks in overtime. Just an incredible day of amazing football, super entertaining. And this was exactly why NFL is beyond king of all sports and everything else at the moment because it just, on a random day, I mean, none of these games, right? Vikings, Panthers, Jags, Dolphins, Cowboys, Patriots, Steelers, Seahawks, like Cowboys, Patriots is a pretty solid game, but the rest of those, it's, it's not even like these are marquee matchups that, you know, you're dying to see. And all of them were just fantastic football games. So another amazing weekend of football. I hope you all enjoyed it. But let's get to the most important aspect of that, of course, which is the Packers beating the Chicago Bears. I still own you. Just an absolute, brutally honest, completely fair and completely dagger to the heart burn by Aaron Rodgers. Of course, coming off of a touchdown run, doing the belt in Chicago. I mean, it doesn't get, you know, more epic than that. I mean, there have been bigger, more epic Aaron Rodgers moments, Super Bowl wins and stuff like that, but that's maybe the most badass Aaron Rodgers moment of all time. Just to to take to run the touchdown in, which basically sealed the game. 
And then to take the hit from Eddie Jackson, get up, do the belt, yell at the crowd, and then to say, I still own you. I own you. And there was, I think, an F-bomb in there as well. It was incredible. It's just an absolutely incredible moment. And for a game that I think, if we're being fair, was a, a fairly nondescript game. And I tweeted out like this, this felt like the classic Packers-Bears noon game where there was a kind of a bizarre first half. Green Bay kind of, you know, went through the motions a little bit in the first quarter, had a really bad first quarter, if we're being honest. Certainly some referee drama in the middle, a little bit of drama at the end when the Bears cut it to three, but ultimately Aaron Rodgers wins, epic Aaron Rodgers moment, you win by 10, and it just felt like a fairly nondescript, pretty usual Packers-Bears noon game in Chicago, right? And you'll take that. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, you're apologizing for any victory. I don't think the Bears are a very good football team. I don't think I need to tell you that. But again, no apologies needed to pick up a win in Chicago against a division rival where, you know, these these are always interesting games, right? Because if Green Bay loses this game, the sky is falling, right? Like they lost to the Bears on the road. Now the division's in question. And again, you, you have all this immediate panic, but you win a game like this and you're like, yeah, they were expected to win. Well, you can't have it both ways, right? Like this is still a, a win that you want to get on the road in Chicago, division opponent. And again, no need to apologize to anyone for that. And how about Aaron Rodgers, who you know has been a little bit more hesitant to, to run, you know, at this stage of his career. And I think that's ultimately for the better. You don't want him taking a ton of hits. You don't, you want him getting rid of the ball in the pocket and uh, distributing the ball, being that point guard of the offense. But he had the scamper early for a first down, has the scamper for the touchdown, has a QB sneak of all things. I'm wondering if that was a Matt LaFleur called play or if Aaron Rodgers kind of called his own number. There was a ton of space up there. And sometimes you see that space as a quarterback, you just kind of take it, pick up the first down. But either way, uh, Aaron Rodgers showing not only the arm off still, uh, but obviously the legs as well, still has those wheels when he needs to, and they can certainly come in handy. But this game was far from all about the offense. I thought the defense put up a really nice performance as well, only allowing 277 yards, 14 points, They had four sacks, they had an interception, a little bit of controversy with that Darnell Savage interception. I I rewatched that Adrian Amos interception, by the way. I think that's a pick. Uh, I know it got called as a uh, incomplete pass on the field and they let the call stand. I think if that is called an interception on the field, I think they also let that stand. And the more I watched it, I, I think he had control with that first step in bounds. And I think he got that. I think if you watch like that, heel or not the heel, but like the side of his foot actually hits and like is in first. So I think that's a pick by Amos, but neither here nor there. And I think when you couple this with the fact that you go into this game without Jair Alexander, without Zadarius Smith, without Kevin King, then you lose Darnell Savage, you lose Preston Smith. And that that is a huge chunk of your core defense. Like your two edge rushers, Preston and Zadarius Smith are out. Your two corners, Kevin King and Jair Alexander are out. Your safety, Darnell Savage is out. Like that is not an easy batch of uh, injuries to overcome. And I thought they did. And again, only allowing 14 points in this game, an impressive performance by the defense. And yes, there were some controversial plays. Yes, they still struggled in the red zone. More on that in just a moment. But I think overall, you have to be impressed. And, you know, Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, both rookie players, but I think you saw the flashes of the talent. They still have Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney on the outside. We saw some flashes from Cole Komet. Again, I don't think this Bears offense is going to set the world on fire anytime soon, but there's talent there. And this is still an NFL offense. And Green Bay was able to hold them down to 14 points with 
really the core players of their defense down. So I think, you know, Barry and this entire defense deserves a lot of credit for this performance as well. I think that brings us to the red zone portion of this game because that was one of the big storylines going into this week. Of course, last year, the, the the Packers had the number one red zone offense, and I think they were down around like 27th this year, down over 20 percentage points of converting in the red zone into touchdowns. And then defensively, they had allowed a touchdown literally every single time the opposing offense got into the red zone, which is, I don't need to tell you, not very good. Well, on offense this week, they go three of four in the red zone and converting into touchdowns. And oh, by the way, the one time they didn't was an absolutely gorgeous ball from Rodgers to EQ on one of those controversial plays that should have been a touchdown, in my opinion. More on that in just a moment, uh, but a much better performance from the, the Packers offense. And I think uh, earlier this week when I talked about the, the specifically the red zone offense, I said a couple things. Still show off that creativity, but there comes a, a time and a place where you need to let Aaron Rodgers cook and allow him to buy time and do those sort of things. I thought we saw a really good blend of that. I thought the first touchdown, the shovel pass to Alan Lazard was a great bit of ingenuity and creativity down in the red zone. And we've seen some of these shovel passes certainly work this season. Andy Reid's used them quite a bit. Uh, but I think what you did is, you know, you've shown sort of that motion play earlier in the season where Aaron Jones is coming across the formation. AJ Dillon's used as a lead blocker. They pitch the ball to Jones and he goes in for a touchdown. That was a play against the Detroit Lions early in the season that they did get the touchdown on. AJ Dillon's out on the left side. Aaron Jones comes across. You get ready for the pitch. Chicago's defense read it perfectly. They're there to stop the pitch. Unfortunately for the Bears, fortunately for Green Bay, that's not the play they were running. Alan Lazard's lined up really as an H-back uh, in this play. But I think the beauty here is that Alan Lazard lines up as an H-back in that spot quite a bit. It's not anything new. It's not anything out of the ordinary. If you're the Bears defense, you've seen Alan Lazard line up as an H-back on tape on numerous occasions. So it's not just like this red flag of like, hey, what is Alan Lazard doing there? That's pretty normal. Now, the one tell I think that you could potentially have, if anything, is the fact that usually when Lazard's in, in an H-back position like that, there's a running back, there's like running back slash fullback or running, at least a running back in the backfield. There wasn't on this play, which again, could be a potential tell. But again, I don't think you're putting the, you know, the logistics of all of that together that quickly if you're the Bears defense. Beautiful drawn uh, play by the Packers, beautifully executed play uh, by the players, and it's a touchdown for Lazard. But then later in the game, you see Aaron Rodgers being able to buy time and make plays. The check down to Aaron Jones results in a touchdown. And then later, of course, the Aaron Rodgers scramble uh, results in a touchdown as well. So I thought you saw a much better production. And of course, what should have been the touchdown, the gorgeous throw from Rodgers to EQ as well. Much better production in the offense for the for the Packers this week. On the flip side, defense, as, as well as the defense played, the field right now is still 80 yards for the opposing offense. If they get to the 20, they're scoring a touchdown because they have literally every single time this season, two more times. And Green Bay even got a gift on the second red zone possession where on that early in the in the possession, right, as they get into the red zone, they have that phantom holding call on Chicago that takes the, the touchdown off the board and puts Chicago well behind the chains with a first and 20. Chicago is able to pull, you know, pick up a first down and still get in the end zone. If you're facing one of the, arguably the worst offenses in football and a first and 20 outside, which pushes them outside of the red zone, and you're still allowing touchdowns, I mean, you're well past 
the you know the area of concern at this point. This is a brutal red zone defense, as bad as we have ever seen. And as as many good things that I think there are to take away from this, that is still a major, major issue that needs to get remedied sooner rather than later because you can't just allow touchdowns at a hundred percent clip. And of of course, the hope and the goal is that everything kind of you know regresses back to the mean at some point and Green Bay's red zone defense starts to improve over time. But it's not like we're still in week one, week two here. You know, Green Bay's played plenty of games. They played six games and you need to start making corrections here. They've tried different philosophies. They've tried different players. And right now it's just not working. They're going to have to fix this red zone defense moving forward if they want to have success come playoff time. There's still plenty of time. All right. There's plenty of games left and uh, there'll, there'll be time to fix this, but you would like to see it start to get fixed sooner rather than later. Let's chat a little bit about the cornerback position because I thought Overall, the corners played well. I thought Stokes played well. Sullivan played well. There were a couple breakdowns in coverage that Fields wasn't able to take advantage of, which I'll be looking forward to watching on the All-22. But to start the game, Isaac Adam has a disastrous start. He allows a completion on a third down to Allen Robinson, which, listen, tip your cap every once in a while to Allen Robinson. It was a gorgeous throw from Justin Fields as well. Uh, but then a brutal pass interference, which is rather egregious. You know, he's running with them. I don't know if he stumbles or loses track. Certainly hooks his arm around and, and hooks the receiver, giving Chicago first and goal from, I believe, the one yard line, if I remember correctly. But a, a bad series from Isaac Adam. A couple things here. First and foremost, give Green Bay a ton of credit for not waiting around, right? They saw what Yadam did. It's kind of carried over from preseason and, and what he's put on tape so far. And they don't take any chances with it. They get him out of the game. They put Rezuel Douglas in. And if you look at it, on that very first drive, really due to two big plays allowed by Yadam, the Bears score a touchdown. The remainder of the game without Yadam in the game, they allowed one touchdown through the remainder of Chicago's drives and plays, etc. I I give Green Bay credit, again, for for making that move and not waiting around to see if he was going to improve. They they quickly made the decision, got Yadam out of the game, got Douglas in. And I think you have to give, you know, Rosal Douglas some credit too. Far from a perfect game from Douglas, he had the penalty, which is one of those bang bang plays where if you watch it, of course he starts his motion before field slides. But as a defender, you just have to know that the quarterback's probably going to slide and you just have to take a little bit more of a cautious approach in that situation. Definitely allowed a couple completions, missed a tackle on a play. So far from a perfect game, but you look at Douglas no big plays allowed, no major errors. The, the penalty was a 15-yarder, but nothing, again, egregious. And again, I think it's just a, a bang-bang play that, again, maybe you can anticipate a little bit better, but that's a, that's a tough situation um, for, for Douglas. But I, I thought he played very energetic football. And, you know, Matt LaFleur is talking about, you know, playing with hot piss or whatever. I thought Rizzo Douglas played with hot piss in this game. So kudos to him for stepping in. Is this a player that you maybe want on the field for 60, 70 snaps moving forward? Probably not. But does he look like Green Bay's, what, fourth best corner right now? I, th- I think that's fair to say. I think you've got, you know, obviously Alexander, if everything's healthy, and Stokes and King, and then I guess Sullivan. So, he, you know, fifth best corner still. He, he provides depth. And we've seen Yadam's probably not the answer. We'll see if at some point they they bring up uh, Quentin Dunbar to compete as well. But I thought this was a solid first step for Razul Douglas. 
Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code Packaday to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's talk about those referees because, uh, again, I, I think it's frustrating. We could talk about this every week because... There, there seemingly are, are calls in just about every game that are controversial and an issue. And I, I do think I do think the league needs to figure this out in some capacity. It's certainly not ruining the game. And, and I'll pause for a second here and just say this. When there's really poor referee decisions, it's really only like massively controversial if it affects the outcome of the game. And particularly if it affects the outcome of the game and allows the team that really really probably wasn't supposed to win the game to win the game. Example 1A, the fail Mary, right? Green Bay not only was the better team in that game, Green Bay had won that game clean. And that specific call gave the game to Seattle and gave the game to the team that played worse in that game. There were some calls that went against Chicago in this game unequivocally. The, I, the Kenny Clark play is really interesting. I watched that in slow motion, paused it, paused it, like paused it multiple times to try to gauge it right. Kenny Clark, I think his like arm, if you look at it closely, I think his like arm is past the neutral zone. A lot of times they don't call like limbs in the neutral zone. It's like if your body is there, like I've seen defenders like line up where their like hand is over the invisible line on numerous occasions and it not get called. However, 
I will say that in that situation with a defender clearly jumping prior to the snap, I think that's called offsides 99 times out of 100, if not 999 times out of 1,000. That was a, I don't know that it's like a gift play, but Green Bay definitely caught a break that it wasn't called in that situation and scenario. Caught a break that Fields just threw up an awful pass for no apparent reason. And Savage made a nice play to pick it off. So kudos to that. But that's a bit of a controversial call. The EQ push up. Listen, that is a gorgeous ball from Aaron Rodgers. That is a gorgeous contested catch getting two feet in from EQ. Did EQ have a slight little push off at the top of the route? He did. He unequivocally did. Does that get called more often than not? It does not. And here's the other thing. EQ got shoved off of his route which should have been illegal, um, you know, legal contact easily, well past the five yards. And then, you know, EQ is fighting back and again, a very, very slight push off and makes the, like, let them play. If it's not egregious, let them play. This is not a ref show. This is a football game. Those things are going to happen in the moment and let them play football. I thought it was a great play by EQ, a ridiculous throw by Aaron Rodgers. And truly it took away one of the highlights of the game. That would have been one of the best plays of the game that they played over and over on SportsCenter. That throw, that catch, two feet in, beautiful, gorgeous play. No more because the refs decided to make a get involved in that play. And it's ridiculous. And again, I could even, even I'm not even going to say this because it shouldn't have been called, but like if, if, if the Bears defender's playing it clean the entire way and it's just like a, you know, at the end, EQ gives him a little push, maybe. I still hate it, but okay, whatever. But the fact that this is, was a physical hand fight through the entirety of the route and EQ gave a slight push off at the let them play. And then of course, the holding penalty by the Bears. Again, football is best when you're only calling the stuff that's egregious and you can let the players decide the outcome of the game on the field. The referees took away two of the best plays in this game, the EQ touchdown, and it was a gorgeous touchdown run by Herbert. I mean, that's 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 good, fun, real football. And the refs ruined two of the best plays in the game. That sucks. That absolutely sucks. And then, again, say what you want about the offsides penalty, but that changed the momentum of the game as well. Now, as I said earlier, it, it becomes much more controversial if the team that was the best team in the game doesn't win the game. I don't think there's anybody that would argue that Green Bay wasn't the best team in this game. They were clearly the better team. They clearly played the better you know, game of football overall, and they were the deserved winner. Some calls went both ways. I don't think any team can point at it and say it's ultimately the reason why the game swung one way or the other. And at the end of the day, it is what it is. But you would just like to see the referees hold on to their whistle in a couple of those situations um, and, and not get involved when there's really no need to get involved, especially on two really nice touchdown plays by both teams, by both teams. This is not just me being a homer. This is me saying allow the touchdown from Herbert, allow the touchdown from EQ, and we have a much more fun and aesthetically pleasing NFL. Just leave it at that. All right, what else do we need to get to? How about Kenny Clark? How about how about freaking Kenny Clark? Two sacks to really seal the game at the end. Kenny Clark's value cannot be measured by a box score. He could have had five sacks. His value still could not be measured by a box score. What he does to this defense holding up things at the point of attack, resetting the line of scrimmage, keeping players off of Chris Barnes and Devondre Campbell, 
making things easier for Dean Lowry and you know TJ Slayton and Tyler Lancaster and everyone else that is lined up uh, right next to him. Collapsing pockets so that Jonathan Garvin and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and the rest of the crew have an easier day. Kenny Clark is what makes, and of course then, by the way, him getting pressure and sacks, certainly making things easier for the defensive backs as well. Kenny Clark is the straw that stirs the drink. He is everything for this defense. And as Matt LaFleur said, when he went down with the injury, he almost threw up. I think everyone can speak to that. I have said for three years now, I shudder to think what this defense would look like with no Kenny Clark. Thankfully, we only had to go through that for a couple plays and he came back and had a massive impact. He is so good. And the value of that contract that Green Bay got seems to just go up every single week because he seems to be still getting better because he's still young. He's still an evolving player, which is is crazy to think about at this stage of his career. But Kenny Clark still getting better and just a dominant, dominant player up front. Really fun game from him. And one of the things that he really helps with, of course, is run defense. Now, this is a bit of an interesting game. Chicago averaged, I believe, over five yards per carry. Khalil Herbert had 19, uh, 19 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown, along of 25 yards. So it, it, it seems a bit odd to be talking, like giving praise to the run defense, because that, that's not the greatest run defense stat line. However, you look at this run defense six weeks in now, they have yet to allow a running back gain 100 yards. Herbert at 97 is the leader that they've given up so far. The longest run that they've allowed, unless you saw my tweet, can you guess who the longest run was of the season that they've allowed so far? Jared Goff at 26 yards. That was the longest run of the season by a Packers opponent. Herbert's was second at 25. They are limiting big plays in the running game. They are not allowing 100-yard rushers. And Joe Barry's philosophy of using more base defense or more two linebackers and nickel has really paid dividends, and they've been much more sound and secure in their gap integrity this year as well. I know that the run defense, you know, maybe hasn't gotten gotten the credit it's deserved up until this point. It's it's time to through six games to start showing this run defense some credit, and I think they've been much improved, and I think it's kind of gone under the radar so far. So nice job in Green Bay. Again, even though they allowed over five yards per carry, the Herbert touchdown, some things like that, I still think if you look at this six weeks as a whole, Green Bay has to be pleased with where their run defense is up until this point. How about Bojo? Borges, 82-yard punt, the second longest punt in franchise history. And oh, by the way, off of a very low snap from Hunter Bradley. Hunter Bradley had the low snap to uh, Bojo. He had a high snap to Bojo on a, it was either a field goal or extra point. I'd have to look back at it, but got to start wondering if Hunter Bradley is, you know, can you, can you stick with him much longer? He's had some issues, but let's talk about Bojo's, but that was incredible. An absolutely incredible 82 yard punt. I'm actually thankful that the ball bounced into the end zone because I'm pretty sure Pat McAfee would have faded away into nothingness from from pure celebration if he hit that thing 82 yards with or 81 yards uh, all net because it stopped at the one yard line. Like I, I think we would have lost Pat McAfee, and I'm not willing to sacrifice him. So thankfully, it went into the end zone. So it was only a 62 yard net punt. What a ridiculous punter! What a ridiculous acquisition at the end. You know, I, I know we used to joke that J.K. Scott was, like was a weapon. No, he was never a weapon. Bajorquez right now might be a weapon for the Packers. That was a huge punt. It really changed the the field position on that specific situation. And he's been an amazing find for Brian Gutekunst and company. 
Speaking of special teams, kudos to Mason Crosby for getting things figured out. As I mentioned uh, earlier in this week, uh, I said I have no concern about Mason Crosby going out the next week and, just, and hitting all those kicks. And that's exactly what he did. He's a pro's pro. You knew he was going to get those things worked out. There was one kick that looked pretty ugly and just barely got inside the, the left goalpost. So maybe still some work to do, but I thought it was was much cleaner overall. And of course, didn't miss a kick and, and kudos to Crosby for that. And then can we talk a little bit about AJ, uh, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. It, it's easy sometimes in theory to say things like, you know, AJ Dillon and, you know, Aaron Jones should be a perfect complement to one another. But sometimes you, you have that idea in theory and then you watch it in practice and it doesn't really work out the way that you were thinking. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are the perfect complements to one another. You have Aaron Jones, whose balance in this game and just in general is unbelievable. It is a joy to watch how he can keep his equilibrium and his balance bouncing off of players. He's like a he's a human pinball. He just pinballs off of everything. And I think last week I described him like a, a greased chicken where he's just slippery as heck. He's also like just a pinball where he's just bouncing off of everything. He's impossible to keep track of and contained of. Just another, you know, uh, impressive performance from Jones and, and multiple times again where he takes nothing and makes it into something, picks up yardage that other running backs just don't get. Then A.J. Dillon with some impressive runs in this game as well. And you just love seeing A.J. Dillon, the closer, where the game gets, you know, it's it's time for that five-minute offense at the end. Defense is, you know, down by 10, clock's running down. You're just ready to get to next week. And here comes A.J. Dillon just bruising back. We got to see a little bit of A.J. Dillon, the closer. These two are perfect complements to one another. I thought both of them both of them had really nice games in this one. Unfortunately, one of the things I mentioned in the preview is that I would have liked to have seen is Green Bay finally get out of a game with no injuries. Well, that certainly did not happen. Josh Myers goes down with a knee injury, cannot return. Matt LaFleur did state that this does not seem to be a season-ending injury, so some relief there, but still probably going to be out some time. You would thank kudos to Lucas Patrick for how he stepped up in this game. No bones about it. He played a nice game and, and just having to come in in that situation, seeing Akeem Hicks and this Bears defense across from you, no easy task. I thought he played as well as could be expected given the situation and circumstance. Preston Smith goes down with an oblique injury. He could not return. Darnell Savage goes out with a concussion. He could not return. So Myers, Preston, Savage, not exactly you know, a group of nobodies here. Those are three important players for this team. Green Bay was already missing some key players. As Aaron Rodgers mentioned in his post-game presser, this team needs to start getting healthy um, for this stretch run that's coming up. They can probably maybe get away with playing Washington without a lot of these guys, but as the, the schedule starts getting harder, this is a team that's going to have to find a way to get healthy. Last but not least, Green Bay is 5-1 and one on the season. And you might say, you know what, but they haven't really played all that well yet. And, you know, they haven't really played anyone. First of all, let me say this. The 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 record of the teams that they have beaten, the five wins, outside of, if you take away the losses to the Packers, those teams are 12 and 12. That's their overall record, 12 and 12. It's a 500, you know, the, the 500 football teams overall, if you combine the record of the teams that Green Bay has beat so far. And that includes an 0-5 Lions team. Again, they're 0-6, but one of those losses was to the Packers. So if you take that away, 0-5. So besides the Lions, they are 12-7, that their record. The Bengals only have one other loss besides their loss to Green Bay. So yes, it's maybe not the murderer's row of opponents, but these teams haven't been slouches. They've been winning games against other teams. And 
Green Bay's won them. And maybe more importantly, this is a lot of these games are not the real true Green Bay Packers. And what I mean by that is there have been a lot of injuries. No David Bakhtiari, no Elton Jenkins for certain games. Josh Myers has been down. You, you know, you guys know the names. You know, Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith in this game, Savage missed time, Jair Alexander, Kevin King. Like the list goes on and on. Green Bay has had massive injuries to insanely important players, yet they've still reeled off five wins in a row. Now, as as we just mentioned, this is a team that's going to have to get healthy and we're going to start seeing them play against better teams sooner rather than later. And we'll see how they handle that. No apologies. Five and one, five wins in a row, picking up two division wins in there against the Lions and the Bears. Just picked up a tough division win on the road. That San Francisco game certainly was not easy. The Bengals are a pretty darn good football team. And you know what? Even that Lions game, after a brutal loss to the Saints, that may not look like a big game because the Lions are terrible in hindsight. At that time, that was a big game for them to pick up and get back on the right track, and they did so. No apologies. Packers are 5-1. and one. That means we get to enjoy another Victory Monday. I thank you so much for joining me today. Certainly was a fun day of football. I hope we have another great Monday night game tonight, and then a Thursday and another Sunday. We'll start getting ready for Packers and the Washington footballers, as Andrew Murtag likes to call them. But that's going to do it for me today. As I, as I said, thank you so much for listening. I'll be right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always... Go Paco. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.